Don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Park. We invite you to look with us to begin with in the Word of God, the book of Psalm, Psalm 1, beginning at verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chafe which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Then looking in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, beginning at verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to, to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. As the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, You must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping, and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All of, Psalm, uh, all of Matthew chapter 28. 
Thank you, Father, once again for the wonderful privilege, the wonderful blessing, the wonderful gift of eternal life. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you and being able to walk with you every single day. Thank you for the fact that you've saved us, made us brand new, and you've made us a part of your family, your forever family. And we thank you and praise you for the wonderful gift of eternal life. Father, anoint us afresh with a spirit of grace and peace that and empower us to be believers that are passionate by the power of your spirit about doing the work you've called us all to, carrying out the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples. Open our eyes and our hearts and our understanding to understand that you're serious about this calling and every one of us have a big part of the responsibility to carry this out. Help us to be faithful to carry it out as fully and in all the ways you'd have us to do just that. We thank you and praise you for this privilege of being Disciples who also make disciples every day. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Again, I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. Our producer is Isaac Jackson. We appreciate you being a part of our listening family. Uh, As we often do, uh, I encourage you to email us to get some of the articles that we share. And I want to remind you, too, that, you know, as I just read Matthew 28, which talks about the Great Commission, you know, it tells us to go into all the world and make disciples. And, you know, a very important starting place for us as believers is we need to know what a disciple is. And we need to know what the process of making disciples is about as well. Well, you know, it's easily understood that there are really many different definitions of a disciple of Jesus Christ. But one of them, of course, is is a learner and a follower of Jesus Christ. But what does that really look like in real life? Well, again, uh, we're going to share an article that helps break down some of the basic, what you might call, building blocks of discipleship. Because again, if we're going to do the work God has called us to in making disciples, we need to know what that entails. And so want to share this article. Please email us to get a copy. Again, a tool to help you walk with the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself but also a tool to use in both helping you to be a disciple, but a tool to help you disciple your family as well. But also, as we normally do, we're encouraging you to share it, to forward it to fellow uh, church members, fellow workers on the job, to uh, extended family members and saved and unsaved individuals as well. Because again, each article is a seed and a tool and a resource to do ministry with as well. The name name of this article that we're about to share is entitled The Building Blocks of Discipleship Being a Pro. Again, the title, The Building Blocks of Discipleship Being a Pro. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. One of the great, exciting, and critical works the church is called to, specifically in the great, excuse me, specifically in the Great Commission, is the work of making disciples. This important calling is directed to every believer in the world. It's clearly one of the highest priorities of the church in all of life. What is a disciple? A disciple is a learner and follower of Christ. Actually, there are many other ways to explain and define what a a disciple is, but this phrase is very accurate and to the point. Each Each one of us is called to be a disciple. 
And we are each called to make disciples. Obviously, the first person you disciple after you're born again is yourself. As you journey on the road of life as a follower of Christ, our disciple-making definitely needs to start with, quote-unquote, me. How can you or I help, help others to learn to follow Christ if we are not living a life of following Him ourselves? So I need to start with myself. Understand clearly that the work of discipleship involves both evangelism, the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then helping believers to grow up in their faith as well. Evangelism is where, the, is where discipleship starts. Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says, And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Again, Acts 16, verse 31. And John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Again, John three sixteen. So what, so what does the work of disciple-making consist of? What are the quote-unquote building blocks of discipleship? You could say that the essence of being a disciple can be summed up in, three, in the three letters of the word pro, P-R-O. P refers to prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us, Pray without ceasing. Building a strong daily and consistent prayer life is, a very, important, is very important for all believers. That's a basic building block of discipleship. Secondly, R, R refers to <clears throat> R refers to reading and meditating on the Word of God. Psalm 119 verse 105 tells us, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Again, Psalm 119 verse 105. Every believer is called to be a student of the Word of God. A good habit to start uh, to start in your own life is to start reading at least three chapters in the Word of God every day. It could be the same chapter read and meditated on three times, or it might be three different chapters. And parents, we are wise to have each of our children to read three chapters out loud to us every single day. And thirdly, obedience. A third building block of the word pro, obedience. So, uh, James chapter 1, verse 22 tells us, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Again, James 1, 22. We're called to learn the word of God in order to obey it and live it. Truth is always meant to be applied. One could basically sum up the life of a disciple with these three basic aspects of the believer's life. Every area of our lives as followers of Christ could fall into one of these three areas. May we each seek to be committed to adding these building blocks of, the faith, of faith to our lives as followers of Christ. There are many things and tasks in our lives that we as believers can busy ourselves doing, yet the reality is that many things some believers do are a big waste of time. There are many, there are many ways to spend our lives, and in, the economy of, and in the economy of life and time, many of these things amount to basically nothing. But when we hear the Word of God and obey it, we step into the eternal purposes of God. God's word clearly tells us, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you, Matthew 6, The great work of being a disciple of Christ and making disciples produces fruit that is eternal. It's extremely important that we as believers make seeking God ourselves a top priority. Encouraging others in their faith is crucial as well. So daily, 
Let's redeem the time. Let's not waste our time. Wasted time is wasted life. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Ephesians 5.16 Let's make it a goal to be very clear about what, what some of the basic building blocks of discipleship are as we carry out this important calling. Know, too, that without question, there needs to be an urgency about the work of making disciples. Every day, many people are leaving this world in death, and too many have left without knowing Christ. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace, 1 Peter 4.10. Let's faithfully be about our Father's business now, today, and every day. Every day is important. Every day. Day counts. Again, the title of that article, The Building Blocks of Discipleship Being a Pro. Again, that title, The Building Blocks of Discipleship Being a Pro. If you'd like to get a copy, simply email us at joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'll be glad to get it to you. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful privilege, the wonderful gift of eternal life. Thank you for the opportunity we have of knowing you and being able to walk with you. Thank you for the privilege of being disciples who are involved in the world of living the life of a disciple and who are involved in the great work of making disciples as well. Father, anoint us afresh with a spirit of passion and grace that we will be passionate about the work of making disciples. Help us to recognize, Lord, that it's a serious thing when people die without Christ. What a tragedy to think of all the people who leave this world and who pour into the tragic place called hell because they didn't know Jesus Christ. Help us as the church to recognize that we're involved in the most serious business in all of life and in all of the world. Help us to recognize that even with all the things going on in the world, all the other things going on in the news and the news feeds, the most critical issue is eternal salvation and it's Jesus, eternal salvation and eternal life. Help us, Lord, to be about our Father's business faithfully every day, doing the work of making disciples. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. We'll be right back with Reading Through the Word of God. Planet Shakers with Only Way. 
a reminder that Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life and eternal salvation. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession. And just before we get into reading through the Word, I want to announce an event that's coming up. And I would mention it happens to be an event that's happening here in Tupelo, Mississippi. But I want to mention that it's by some friends who uh, genuinely love the, the Lord. And as we were just speaking of discipleship, uh, a family that's committed to the work of discipleship. Uh, the event is called Just Jesus Incorporated 5K Run or Walk. And the event is Saturday, September 30th, 2023, at seven, starting at 7.30 a.m. In, at Fair Park in Tupelo, Mississippi. Now, of course, obviously, if you want to participate, we're glad to have you. We invite you to come and be a part of it. Hope that you can be. But I would mention that uh, a young man by the name of Caleb Rogers, and he call, he's, he's affectionately known as Pastor Caleb, young man, but he has a pastor's heart, though he's very young. He has some physical challenges, but he outstanding young man with a big heart for God and the kingdom of God. And through their ministry, they uh, raise money to give away free Bibles and also to do outreach ministry in a number of different ways. He and his dad and mom, the Rogers family. So I want to ask, if you don't foresee that, you'll, that you may not get to the event, please pray for Caleb and his dad and mom, brother and sister Rogers, and the great work they're doing. Again, the event is entitled Just Jesus Incorporated 5K Run or Walk. It's Saturday, September 30th, 2023, starting at 7.30 a.m. in Fair Park in Tupelo, Mississippi. But again, please pray for Caleb. And I want to invite you to pray that God would raise up many more people that would touch all of us to have a heart that's on fire for the Lord in a similar way, just like young Caleb is. Again, he has some physical challenges, but he has a huge heart for Jesus Christ. You know, God really calls all of us to be men and women after God's own heart. And what a good thing it is for us to live a life to do just that. So again, please pray for the Just Jesus Incorporated 5K Run Walk on September 30th here in Tupelo, Mississippi. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I'm your servant Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. 
The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz, ex- Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will take and in the morning I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you, very well. Let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning, but she got up before it was light enough for the people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, No one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to her, Bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to the town. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, What happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. And she added, He gave me these six scoops of barley and said, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, Just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. Ruth chapter 4 Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there. Just then the family redeemer he had mentioned came by. So Boaz called out to him, Come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called ten leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, You know Naomi, who came back from Moab. She is selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away, because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, All right, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz told him, Of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way, she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land... I cannot do it. Now in those days, it was the custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal as he said to Boaz, Buy the land. Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, You are witnesses that today I bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malan. And with the land I have acquired Ruth, 
the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrathah. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you and may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own, as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, Now at last Naomi has a son again and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. This is the genealogical record of their ancestor, Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was, <clears throat> Ram was the father of Amminadab. Amminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Simon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. End of the book of Ruth. The book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1. There was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuth in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at the time were the two sons of Eli, Hopni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children. And though, and though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. 
Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. E- Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here? Must you come here drunk? He demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. The next year Elkanah and his family went to their annual excuse me, the next year Elkanah and his family went on their annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, Wait until the boy is weaned, then I will take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord permanently. Whatever you think is best, Elkanah agreed. Stay here for now, and may the Lord help you keep your promise. So she stayed home and nursed the boy until he was weaned. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket, a flower and some wine. Verses 1 through 24, 1 Samuel chapter 1. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're Reading through the Word of God. We'll be right back. To meet you in this place 
from the group Mercy Me with Here With Me. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue reading through the Word of God. And just a reminder, keep in mind that one of our goals as we read is to both minister the Word of God to you, but also encourage you, if you don't have the habit of reading at least three chapters in your Bible every day, today is a great day to start that very fruitful habit. And to every parent listening, today is a great day to start the habit of having your children Read three chapters out loud to you every single day. One of the most single, most productive and fruitful habits in all of life. Hope that you'll seek to do just that. We could pick up reading now in the New Testament, the book of Acts. Acts chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. And I persecuted the following and, and I persecuted the followers of the way, excuse me, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, and throwing them in prison. Excuse me, going back to verse 4. And I persecuted the followers of the way, 
hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, and following them in prison, the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. As I was on the road, approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, What should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law, and well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And that very moment I could see, I could see him. Then he told me, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your, sins, have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. After I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple and fell into a trance. I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, Hurry, leave Jerusalem, for the people here won't accept your testimony about me. But Lord, I argued, they certainly know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And I was in complete agreement when your witness Stephen was killed. I stood by and kept the coat I stood by and kept the coats they took off when they stoned him. But the Lord said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened until Paul said that word. Then they all began to shout, Away with such a fellow! He isn't fit to live. They yelled, threw off their coats, and tossed handfuls of dust into the air. The commander brought Paul inside and ordered him, and ordered him lashed with whips to make him confess his crime. He wanted to find out why the crowd had become so furious. When they tied Paul down to lash him, Paul said to the officer standing there, Is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been tried? When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and asked, What are you doing? This man is a Roman citizen. So the commander went over and asked Paul, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I certainly am, Paul replied. I am too, the commander muttered, and it cost me plenty. Paul answered, but I am a citizen by birth. The soldiers who were about to interrogate Paul quickly withdrew 
when they heard he was a Roman citizen. And the commander was frightened because he had ordered him bound and whipped. The next day, the commander ordered the leading priests into session with the Jewish high council. He wanted to find out what the trouble was all about, so he released Paul to have him stand before them. Acts chapter 23. Gazing intently at the high council, Paul began, Brothers, I have always lived before God in a clear conscience. Instantly Ananias the high priest commanded this excuse me instantly Ananias the high priest commanded those close to Paul to slap him on the mouth. But Paul said to him, God will slap you, you corrupt hypocrite. What kind of judge are you what kind of judge are you to break the law yourself by ordering me struck like that? Those standing near Paul said to him, Do you dare insult God's high priest? I'm sorry, brothers. I didn't realize he was the high priest, Paul replied. For the scriptures scriptures say, You must not speak evil of any of your rulers. Paul realized that some members of the high council were Sadducees and some were Pharisees, so he shouted, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, as were my ancestors. I'm on trial because my hope is in the resurrection of the dead. This divided the council, the Pharisees against the Sadducees. For the Sadducees say there's no resurrection or angels or spirits, but the Pharisees believe in all these. So there was a great uproar. Some of the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees, jumped up and began to argue forcefully. We see nothing wrong with him, they shouted. Perhaps a spirit or an angel spoke to him. As the conflict grew more violent, the commander was afraid they would tear Paul apart. So he ordered his soldiers to go and rescue him by force and take him back to the fortress. That night the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Be encouraged, Paul. Just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. The next morning, a group of Jews got together and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 of them in the conspiracy. They went to the leading priests and elders and told them, we have bound ourselves with an oath to eat nothing until we have killed Paul. So you and the high council should ask the commander to bring Paul back to the council again. Pretend you want to examine his case more fully. We will kill him on the way. But Paul's nephew, his sister's son, heard of all, heard of their plan and went to the fortress and told Paul. Paul called one of the Roman officers and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something important to tell him. So the officer did, explaining, Paul the prisoner called me over and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took his hand, led him aside and asked, what is it you want to tell me? Paul's nephew told him, some Jews are going to ask you to bring Paul before the high council tomorrow pretending they want to get some more information, but don't do it. 
There are more than 40 men hiding along the way, ready to ambush him. They have vowed not to eat or drink anything until they have killed him. They are ready now, just waiting for your consent. Don't let anyone know you told me this, the commander warned the young man. Then the commander called two of his officers and ordered, Get 200 soldiers ready to leave for Caesarea at 9 o'clock tonight. Also take 200 spearmen and 70 mounted troops. Provide horses for Paul to ride and get him safely to Governor Felix. Then he wrote this letter to the governor. From Claudius Lysias, verses 1 through 25, Acts chapter 23. You've been listening to the Hour of Intercession as we've been reading through the Word of God. And as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you are listening today and you've never made the eternally important decision of inviting Jesus Christ, asking Him to come into your heart to become Lord and Savior of your life. Today is a great day to be saved, a great day to make the commitment to fully commit your heart, your life, your all into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to make that step, would you simply, from your heart, pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess, I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, by faith, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord and Savior of my whole life. In your word, you told us, whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, today, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer and committed your heart to the Lord, we're wanting very much to connect with you. We want to be in touch with you at least by email. My email, once again, is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'd like to share with you some literature and resources that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong, to help you to begin to become a strong and vibrant, vibrant disciple of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A very important thing to do. Again, joseph at afr.net. Please, please, we want to hear from you. Again, if you'd like to get the, the, a copy of the article we read earlier, the title of the article, The Building Blocks of Discipleship, Being a Pro. Simply email us, same email, joseph at afr.net. We'll be glad to get it to you. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.